0: Welcome to another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. Brantley's in the house. Let's go. Ty's in the house. Let's go.
1: You took my thing.
0: (laughs) Guys, welcome to the pod. Subscribe, rate, review, shout out one star. Uh... Follow us on Twitter at (laughs) GrizzDen. Follow us on Instagram at Grizz underscore Den. We are happy to be with you guys. And uh, we hinted at it at the end of the last episode. Um, But we have something really exciting happening this Saturday. And I'm going to throw it over to
1: Brantley uh, to tell you guys a little bit more about it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this Saturday, Crosstown Brewery is actually turning two years old. Um, They have an event that's been planned for a while where they're doing kind of a huge celebration, going to release some specialty beers. There's going to be a bunch of food trucks, um, live music, different things like that. The weather looks like it might be a little chilly, uh, but maybe not too unbearable. Um, But the fun thing is, is that um, on top of it being their birthday, um, a apparel company that we talked about, um, Grind City Designs uh, is going to be, uh, partnering with Crosstown Brewery and also partnering with us um, to do some special release t-shirts uh, for Crosstown as well as for um, the, the Grisden. And they will be the provider for both Crosstown and for um, us, at least right now um, from a Crosstown perspective and for us on an apparel basis moving forward. Um, we'll be printing t-shirts there. Um, uh, so, the fun thing is, is that that you'll be able to walk up, see some of our designs, see dif- the different T-shirt color options, and actually see um, this fancy printer uh, live in action. And so, um, there's going to be lots of de- um, you know brands that Grand City is going to be using here in the near future. Uh, we um, and Crosstown are sort of the first two uh, that you uh, that that will be partnering with them. So come out, come um, have a pint or two, like we referenced. Uh, with us on Saturday, three. starting at noon, we'll be there all day hanging out. We may have some free stuff that we can give you away. Give away! Yeah, as well as maybe some coupons or whatever to get some free swag. We're we'll uh, printing t-shirts and hoodies. Um, but if you want to take a look at what we've sort of come up with thus far, you can go to grindcitydesigns.com backslash grizzden.com. And uh, take a look at some of the stuff that we've got live for you. We've got our logo, a couple of different designs that we've come up with, and we've got more in the works too. So uh, it's going to be fun, big time, and you get to rep the Grizz any way you want to.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Um, we'd love to uh, come out, and uh, whether you're um, a friend of the pod or not, uh, or if you know us or not, we'd love to meet you. Um, and so come out to Crosstown at noon see that cool machine in action, and hopefully uh, you'll walk away with some Grizzden gear. Um, It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Guys, since we last spoke, we had All-Star Weekend. Um, All the talk these days are about the format change. And uh, going into the game, it got a lot of, um, there were some people laughing about how the NBA was uh, trying to uh, make the All-Star game interesting and that it might not be as successful as it is in the past because that's just kind of how All-Star games are or people don't really try. Um, and yet, we saw one of the most electric fourth quarters of any type of All-Star event that we've ever seen. Um, it was crazy. There were there were guys yelling at the refs. Mark Davis didn't think he was going to have to work yeah. that night. And yet... Um, it was it was just a lot of fun. I would love to get your uh your one minute reactions. What did you think of all-star game format as well as just the weekend in general? Yeah, it was fun. Uh Kyle Lowry flopping all over the place was hysterical. It was hilarious. Um,
2: <laughs> so it was really interesting how the game got really tight and it felt you could feel like the pressure from it and a lot of guys went to what they go to their safe space, if that makes sense. So a lot of people have mentioned James Harden basically just kind of sphincter closing up on him, um, passing up open shots, just not really being aggressive at all. I thought Giannis and LeBron, like, sizing each other up was by far the most. You could tell Giannis kind of took it personal, and then LeBron realized it and was like, okay, let's let's do it then. Um, arguably the two best players in the world right now Uh I guess previous to KD injury, I'd probably put him up there ahead of LeBron maybe. Um, either way, either way you cut it. Top three or four players, and they went at each other, and it was awesome. Giannis playing D against LeBron was the most fun thing ever. It was I just wanted everyone to clear out and then to go one-on-one. Um, but you could kind of see limitations, like the finals matchups. You could see like kind of who's going to be guarding who if they play each other. It was just a lot of interesting things you could take from it, which is the first time I think that's ever happened.
1: Yeah, so the whole game was fun. You know, I mean, it there every quarter was interesting. Um, the format, from that perspective, to me, was uh, a hit in my, you know, totally in my brain. You know, like w- w- with the quarter changes, I was totally surprised by East slash Team Giannis. You know, making a run and being up in the fourth quarter, and it's I was sitting there watching it, thinking that. We were sort of seeing maybe a live version of the nineteen ninety two secret Olympic scrimmage. Oh, I like that. And like you see all these kind of like secret like life fitness like pickup games that happen whatever. Like over the summer. Yeah, and over stuff. the yeah, summer. Yeah. And this I mean, you could tell these guys really care. For sure. That that to me is the only thing that actually mattered for the new format, and now they have to do it. Yeah. have to no and, other way. And and like seeing like it just you know it took me back to pickup games in college where you just would have people pull up. You had LeBron pulling up from beyond the logo. It was nuts. Like could you have imagined what like what would you have done if he if hit that, that went shot? In for the win. When I thought t- about that.
0: It was just would have been insane. He would have it would just would have added to you lebron's
1: just legacy yeah. that's not even a strong enough word i woke up my kid yelling actually <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Whoa, ah! <laughs> and then he bricked and yeah there were so many moments that was awesome in that game who do you think or how do you think the conversation went down to decide the final closing lineups for that game well
2: team lebron obviously was a good conversation team Giannis, why well, have kimba out there on the floor, like he couldn't hit a shot and he wasn't doing anything for you on defense. You can have two six foot guys on the floor. Lowry, at least, is gonna like draw a foul, get a turnover, make a play. Kimba was just pointless. Well, I
0: think also it just went to show how much better LeBron was at drafting. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it was just uh, like LeBron, laughable to G-G-M see who LeBron. he had on his yeah. bench versus, oh, like, I know who was like Ben Simmons could have definitely been out there, uh, Tatum, too who's playing was well. Doncic but not yeah. on that team too? Doncic was, but I think the theory behind that was that He's he hurt. had the minutes restriction, quote okay. unquote, and also like CP3. I mean, friend of LeBron. And he also had Dame. be good. Think about that. Yeah. And he had Dame.
1: Would Dame have been out there over CP3?
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, probably they would have been Dame's. the nod to the old guy and then like, I don't know. I don't know, man. They were trying to win. It was funny how Chris Paul and Harden. He were on played that, well on the though. Floor at the I thought Chris time. Paul was
0: one of the best players. He on the was. Floor. Yeah, he
2: did play well, but you could also tell that they didn't know how to play with one another. Like they, re- like a few of them were like, "I always have the ball in my hands. I'm always making the play." Like Harden just stood, which is what he always does until he get the, got the ball. He Even seen, like Kawhi didn't know what to do. He would like. Why why don't I have the ball? What, am I, what rever- am I doing now? I think
0: Harden reverted to back to his six man days almost. Like he was he kinda out there of like as sort of like a when you need me type yeah. of guy and or they I'll surprise you with a move every time. Yeah. They went to
2: Siakam on the block, like four straight possessions. And yeah. I don't I don't mean, I don't even know if Siakam scored, so I guess Harden did okay. But, but
1: Giannis, you know, at the end of the game. Said that in his presser that that oh, was his strategy yeah. to go at Harden. He said, I "Love that." He get, he was like, basically, we you know our strategy was to whoever Harden or James was guarding, we were going to give him the ball. There's
0: a low key rivalry there almost because, and I think because Giannis in his draft, did you see like he didn't draft Harden intentionally because he said he wanted somebody who was going to pass. Yeah,
1: and then after that, that's pretty interesting. I sort of half thought too. Um, this morning, I think when I was thinking about the pod this afternoon like is there a way and this is not me just throwing out ideas for fun but because of sort of the rivalry thing that happened and around 80 percent of those teams will be back next year you could assume yeah how could you keep those teams in place and like run it back a little bit
0: well if Giannis is drafting again He's going to draft the guys that you just are, quote unquote, I don't know, underappreciated, maybe underrated. And so LeBron's just going to take the low But hang. you
2: would think LeBron, like Giannis will keep picking and someone will take LeBron's spot at picking, maybe. Who's next? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. And you got to, like, who's going to go? I imagine I, w- I would pick KD if he's, I could, I would pick him first over everybody I else. I could see
0: Steph. Steph again. doing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But it was Steph and LeBron that picked.
0: So LeBron right. has always been yeah. the GM per se. It'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. I said one minute each, and we're already at you know like eight. Yeah. Did y'all watch the Rising Stars game? Rising Stars. That was I Jaws. Mean, that half was the Grizzlies' highlight of amazing. the weekend. Yeah, I, Ja Morant controlled that game. Man, <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. His halftime thing was
2: hilarious. He was like, "Yeah, they tried to come out contesting lobs, and we we got something for them in the second half. They
0: just torched him in the, the third team. quarter. It was Dude, awesome.
1: and Ja Ja was sort of throwing some shade. He was like, he trying, was trying too. at the you know his, his press conference at the end where he was like, "No, nah, I'm going home, man. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not staying the whole All Star game until I'm actually here at the All Star." I love that. I'd like chip
0: on his shoulder. Like that. Absolutely. That's
1: that's my guy right there. Yeah, that's why. For sure. That's why we love that man. Yep.
0: Yeah. There. Um. There were a little bit. There was just low key fear though. Uh-huh. Watching him and Zion, and just how well they meshed. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about five years from now when, they when both they're back in Memphis. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. But it is, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That was kind of a depressing moment. Oh, come on, to end don't talk about that. That's yeah, Sorry. Happen. No, but uh, all that to say they They're were the two best players out. on the floor for sure. When apart from when Luca was out there too. I mean, like Luca kind of wasn't trying He hard, wasn't but, trying at all. No.
2: And Trey Young was doing basically everything he does in a regular game. So he's trying to nutmeg people all the time. Trey
0: Young is the my least favorite player to watch. Yeah. Over Harden? I think that Harden at least is like um, at a point where you can not respect the game. I no no, it sucks to watch Harden too. But I think Trey Young to me like hasn't earned it, and yet he thinks that he's there. And Harden at least has earned a place. He's been like averaging like eighty points, but yeah, like that's true. on a great team who is winning a lot. But like Trey Young just makes me mad. Maybe it's because he was in the All Star game, and I didn't think he should have been there. Yeah. And so Definitely I was a starter, starter to
2: No, that was ridiculous. But that's a lot of fan
0: vote stuff. So I don't know. We can it's save that for fun. a summer
1: conversation. I'd love to go deep on that. one. I, yeah,
0: I agree. Okay. Let's, let's get into, um, let's get into the meat of this podcast. What we're going to do there obviously haven't been any games since we last spoke. Um, but what we have are a set of questions, uh, that we want to ask and discuss, um, heading into this last third of the season. We have 28 games left. Uh, we're in the eighth spot, up four games on Portland, uh, behind OKC by four games. And uh, we want to break it down a little bit. And um, in this format, basically talk about what we our expectations are um, and what we also want to see uh, for the rest of the way. And so with that, let's get started. I'm going to actually read through the questions that we're going to discuss, and then we'll go one by one. First question, we're two-thirds of the way through the season. What overall grade would you give the Memphis Grizzlies so far? Second question, will Ja Morant's last third of the season be better than his first two-thirds? Bonus question off of that one. Does it matter? Number three, is Jaron Jackson Jr. already underrated? Number four, what are your expectations for Dylan Brooks moving forward? Number five, what role should Justice Winslow play on this year's team? And the last question, can our bench continue to rate in the top third of the NBA? So let's talk about question number one. We're two-thirds of the way through the season. What overall grade would you give the Memphis Grizzlies? Um, I think you have to think about this question from... Multiple angles. You got to think about the team. You got to think about the coach, uh, the front office, um, and sort of weight those however you will. I um, I would go in. I think expectations are sort of the um, the foundation of this question is how are you grading against what you thought you. It's like when you walk into a test and don't study, and then you make an A. Is it the same you know A as when you do study hard and earn it? Um, I think that um, this has been a pleasant surprise type of A, um, for sure, for me at least. I think, on, but the best part of it is that it's a holistic, it has, it's not like a, we're winning despite ourselves, it's we're winning because of um, everything working in harmony. And the centerpiece of that, obviously, is John Morant, um, but everything around him has been built in a way that gives me hope for the future and yet also allows us to enjoy the present. And I think that's a rare combination that doesn't happen very often with rebuilding teams. And so I would give the Memphis Grizzlies a solid A. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, obviously me too. Um, Coming in, Brantley, I'll let you talk a little bit about expectations nationally. Um, But even locally, no one was expecting. I thought we were gonna win. Like we, so Will before every year releases a spreadsheet um, with the entire schedule on it, and basically he does a four through one, as in likely to win the game. Four being like we are very unlikely. Like there's no way this is a really hard game. We're gonna lose it. And one being like, oh, we might win. We we feel pretty good about winning this. So basically he yeah, puts it in this spreadsheet and you kind of go through and do one through four, whether you think like three being like, ah, we kind of may win two being like, we're probably likely going to win. Um, so after doing that for the first time, I think I had 18 wins after doing it for the first time. And then I was like, that's gotta be too low. I gotta like rework this. And I did it again. I was like, yeah, this feels much, much better. And it was like 23. Um, so all being said, um, uh, yeah I'm kind of blown away to be honest especially when you look at how we're winning and who's leading us the whole time and the notorious rookie point guards are awful and jaw was in serious discussion to make the all-star game um, which is insane his numbers are great he's doing things that like people didn't even know he could do his three-point shot looks good Brendan Clark is by far the steal of the draft and a lot of like smart people had him really high so yeah they it's not like that's a like crazy shock that he's really good. Jaron all of a sudden is just a launcher from three. Um, our whole system that we developed. Jenkins immediately comes in, changes everything we've ever been about for the last decade. Changes it all on the fly, and is basically like, yeah, we're gonna get better. Trust me, we're gonna get better. We're gonna improve. We started out the season really poor, and it kind of we were kind of in some games, but it's like, yeah, we're not we're not that good. We're probably not gonna win a lot. And then all of a sudden, since like December, we've been well above five. I think we were 500 in the month of December. And then January, we were well above it. Um, 11 and four, maybe. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but it's something like that. Just in the month of January. Um, Yeah, everything is just really tied in together. We look like a complete team, which is also a shock. Um, Yeah, I'm a
1: plus for sure. So just to frame up nationally, sort of. Where ESPN and The Ringer and different places had us sort of coming in. Um, ESPN had forecasted us to end the year 27 and 55. Um, Our BPI was 27 and 55. 538 actually was a little bit uh, more bullish. Um, They had us around 32 and 50. Vegas over under set us at 27 and a half. Um, As you know, we have already surpassed all of those except for 538. We have 28 wins. Last year, we had 33 wins. Um, Just, I think, before I sort of go into my own personal opinion, just to share two little quotes from articles that were released back in October. Tim McMahon, who writes for ESPN, sort of basically just had us as a best-case scenario of 35 and 47, uh, basically saying that 35 wins would be the most that we could squeeze out of this season. Um, even though he did sort of go on to say that there could be a strong argument that um, that 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 may not be a best case scenario that, that if our if we hit on a first rounder, um, you know if you know Jay Crowder and Valanciunas do things from a veteran presence perspective that maybe uh, we surpass those things, he sort of had um, a, a line in the sand of you know big question what strides can the young kids make. Um, you know, so interesting kind of points there from him, I think that sort of helps set the stage for, uh, having maybe another side of the coin, uh, to, to set us up for where we are. On the other hand, Kevin O'Connor, um, at the ringer, who is someone that a lot of us, um, pay attention to here at Grisden and, and a lot of you follow as well. You know, he has a podcast that he does twice a week with Chris Vernon. He does, uh, he did a four part series on, um, every team. Uh, this, uh, you know, before the season. And his first um, article um, that he released was about the bottom feeders. And the setup for the entire article read like this These are the franchises that would just simulate the season if they could in order to get to the draft lottery and the summer. But real life isn't a video game and real basketball will be played. Fortunately, even most bad teams have a lot to get excited about. <laughs> the category that your Memphis Grizzlies were placed in. Were in th- was in this article in the hopeful rebuilding category, the same category as the Knicks, the Hawks, and Chicago. He
2: was right about three of them though.
1: He was right, <laughs> three out of four. That's true. But he, the article ended with him saying, the Grizzlies aren't ready to qualify for the playoffs, but this trio will make them one of the league's most watched, most young watch teams of the season. Again,
2: he was half right.
1: He was half right, and I'm really glad that he was half wrong. Um, A lot of this, I think, you know, there's other teams in the West that are uh, way underperforming uh, from what I think a lot of national people expected. Uh, Here in Memphis, we are not surprised to see the Phoenix Suns continue to suck. Definitely not. Uh, Same with Sacramento. I think Portland is the one that's a surprise. Golden State with injuries uh, has definitely allowed us to maybe take on that eighth spot. But when you put all of this in a frame of reference of not only did we just uh, reframe our entire uh, assets from a team perspective, we had a new coach, we have a whole new front office. This would have been the year that you could have given them, given the whole um, franchise a pass for maybe having another tanking season. For sure. Instead, we have a really great opportunity to make the playoffs. I don't know how you can grade this anything Less than an A, I'm going to give it an A only because for it to be an A-plus to me would mean you would have had to have uh, done better against New Orleans, but I would never have thought that I'd be sitting here giving us an A. Speaking of New Orleans, think about the group
0: that we're in right now. Thunder, Blazers, Pelicans, they all have a superstar on their team that is a veteran superstar. They've been around the block. Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Drew Holiday, really good. The combination CJ. of Holiday, yeah. Ingram, Zion. Like these teams, you look at them and they don't have an excuse not to be good. We have every excuse not to be good. Yep. And yet we're good. So that's a lot of fun. Okay, let's move on. Second question Will Ja Morant's last third of the season be better
1: than the first two thirds? And does it doesn't matter? So I think this is going to be tough because like we talked about in our last podcast, we are going uh, into the toughest schedule in the entire NBA, um, you know, in the back half of the NBA season. And if you look at it since December 14th, John Morant uh, led our team to uh, a 20 and nine win total. So I'm, I'm basically saying December 14th because that's when he returned from injuries. Um, of those 29 games, we had marked 16 of those to be headband or big games of which we went 11 and five. So our winning percentage is right around 70% in both of those categories of games. Uh, Jha is averaging in the, in that whole kind of stretch right at a season average of 17 points. We've kind of gone into the headband perspective. Um, you know, previously where he's outperforming those season averages, and if you, I sort of went through and, and did some of the markings, Will, uh, the tiers that you said for us, and and then did my own little modifications to it. And it's going to be really hard to even come remotely close to that type of winning percentage from an objective basis. And so I don't expect, and this has nothing to do with John Morant, as more so that it does actually the types of teams that we are going to be facing. I expect to see um, – to continue to see flashes from Ja, but I do think that our team is going to regress a bit um, because of the teams that we're facing. Uh, however, the thing that I'm most interested in seeing with Jaw is when we go into these stretches and we're playing some of the elite teams in the NBA, how is he going to lead our team to maybe grab a couple victories when we shouldn't to then spur us onto a three- to four-game win streak that is truly what's getting us excited about is, is calling him you know, a superstar-type potential because a, a rookie point guard like that shouldn't be able to do it. And so I do think it matters. I think it it matters significantly what his type of performance he's able to do and how he can stay healthy. Um, uh, because our team goes with Ja and if anything else you can tell just from, I mean, we, we went we're, we're 28, um, and 26. And since Ja's return, we've gone on a 29 stretch. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's, that's because our team rises and dies with him right now.
0: I think that with young teams, uh, there's a lot, uh, to be said for momentum. I think that momentum plays a huge part. Um, because of just the kind of there's a lot of raw emotion. Um, they literally haven't been there before. Mm-hmm. So it does matter uh, when they get on a hot streak or they when, when they get on a cold streak and, and have a lack of momentum. Um, and yet Ja has this um, unwavering confidence. Um, he is willing and able to go up against anybody in the league. They just uh, Rachel Nichols actually did a, an interview with him for the jump that got released today and she asked him about um, the game against Houston and just that like basically he, he was just his point uh, back to her when she asked about his sort of fearlessness was yeah, he was like yeah, I'm not scared of anybody. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, who I'm playing. And um, I think that was also evident on Twitter. In the uh, whole Andre Iguodala going back at stuff, like he he's like, I have all the respect in the world for these guys, and yet uh, when we're out there competing,
1: doesn't matter. And I do think that's an intangible that when you just look at the numbers, like I just did, could be the difference in two or three wins for sure. And I'm not used to seeing that in the yeah. Grizzlies jersey. and I think that's a great point to call out because we we may see it, and that's something to watch for.
0: Yeah, and I I think that. Do I think his last third of the season will be better than his first two thirds? Um, it's hard to say because we are the schedule plays a part. And so statistically, we might not see it. Um, and so, in that sense, I, I, I don't think the answer to the question does it matter what his performance is compared to the first part? Maybe not. Uh, because at the end of the day, I think we know what we have in jaw. And uh, the schedule is going to play a huge role in the season, whether we like it or not. And so if his performance does not meet the uh, averages that he has set for this first two thirds, uh, I think we'll be okay. So,
2: Yeah, I agree with everything said. I think the most important, well, the thing I thought about the most is does it matter? Um, It's kind of tough to answer, to be honest. It's kind of yes and no. Um, so right now this is per 36 because I hate per game. I don't know why because he plays less than 30 minutes a night. Um, someone like Harden's playing like 38, like Lillard's playing like 38. These, some of these guys are playing a ton, so when you look at per game stats, it can be skewed a little because some people are playing more. So I like to do per 36. That means stats per 36 minutes played. Um, so Ja right now, per 36, 21 points on 49% shooting. Let's call it 36% from three, 35.8, 78% from the line. He is getting 4.3 rebounds and 8.5 assists. And he has a positive plus minus on the year, which I think is also really important. Um, So let's just call it 21 and nine. So per 36, if jaw drops to 17 and six, to me, that's like if just a statistical point that's still to me really impressive for a 20 year old rookie point guard and one thing i want to mention on jaw is you hear about all these other rookies that even zion Zion, don't get me wrong zion is honestly probably in a like class of his own as far as athleticism and impact he has like a huge plus minus on the 10 games he's played but a lot of these other rookies too the ball is not in their hands 90 percent of the time they're in the game when Jaw is in the game, if we do anything good, it's because he made it happen. And I think that's a really – I think that needs to be valued appropriately. Um, he truly like – we've said it so many times. He makes our team go. Without Jaw, we are not who we are right now. We've won
1: now. half the games without Jaw.
2: Yes, and I think that is a huge stat. Um, to be doing what he's doing with – I mean, it hasn't – I mean, this has been an on, ongoing thing. Like teams, you saw it in the Philly game few weeks ago teams are starting to key in on him like they are trying to do what they can to stop him and he's still winning games um so even if he does regress back which i think he will wouldn't shock me again wouldn't shock me because teams really are going to start turning it up and they know now to kind of the key stop memphis stop jaw um it wouldn't shock me but at the end of the day i yeah a part of me doesn't really think it matters
1: I think the, the your last point is the thing that I think we should just leave all in our minds as we move into kind of the closing this season is we're about to play some veteran teams that need wins that are competing for playoff seeds and they're going to do what they can to shut jaw down. Yeah, if we know it, trust me, those guys know that to shut to stop the Grizzlies is to shut jaw down. So, how does jaw adjust? How does Jenkins adjust? Yeah, good How do point. the players around him adjust? Um, I think that's a very key thing for everybody to pay attention to, and I, I'm excited to sort of see some of those adjustments because I'm sure they're planning for it right now.
2: Yeah, and so another, I don't, again, justice we'll talk about in a second, but to have a secondary guy who can make a play off the dribble, make a play, get in the lane, make a pass, that takes a little bit of pressure off. That's why I think Kyle Anderson's so important with his starting lineup because he's able to do that. Um, I think that's going to be important. And, yeah, to your point, think about, like, who have we struggled against the most this year? Just off the top of your head. Pelicans. New Orleans. Who is defending Ja during those games? Drew. Holiday. Who's one of the best perimeter defenders in the last five years? Drew Holiday. Like, he locks up Ja because he's phenomenal. He locks up everybody. And you see when we get blown out in those games because, like, even the Philly game, we never got in a rhythm because Ben Simmons – like made it a priority. I'm
1: stopping this dude. Yeah, so I think that will be something that moving forward will do a good job of maybe calling out potential matchups for Ja and yes. how we could see that potentially impacting those games moving forward because you know, being able to call that out on the front end as you know, and you as listeners being able to watch it um, and sort of, you know, pay attention to it will be helpful, I think, for your kind of in game experience. For sure. And also
2: keep yeah last point. keep in mind the secondary playmakers. see who else is able to make a play when Ja, and he's on the floor and he can't get it can't get it going. look for someone else to step in that position. Maybe it's Jim maybe it's BC on the roll. We've talked about that. I would I
0: can't wait to see justice playing alongside him too. That's a great segue into our next question. However, before we get there, we have some breaking news uh oh this just then uh, after a brief and tumultuous tenure, John Beeline is leaving hey. his, as Cleveland's coach. Associate Head Coach J.B. JB. Biggerstaff will be elevated to head coach. That is, he is
1: forever. Does in Cleveland purgatory. return to Memphis? Do we need to b- buy our tickets now for that return trip? Oh, oh my
0: gosh! Literally, Biggerstaff like a first quarter tribute like, to J.B. He's in Groundhog Day right now. That's he Bigger lost staff's to whole get us jobs. career. I great.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe we should thank him. Actually, I think we're done with Cleveland. Uh, I don't I honestly don't
0: know. I wish we weren't. I, I think we are, we are, too. We're um, done with Cleveland. We've already played them. Man, I'm bummer. Okay, Uh, next question, number three. Is Jaron Jackson Jr. already underrated? I really uh, like this question because I think he is, even though he's our second best player, um, he is all too often not given the credit he is due, and we only tend to talk about him when he might not be living up to to everything I I say we as in like just everybody who talks about the grizzlies. Um I just think he's a really easy star to maybe forget and which is why I think he has become underrated but uh yeah, what do y'all think about that question?
2: Um so I have like so many stats. Um so I'm just going to kind of read them off. Um first question before I get started. 3 or 4 years ago, the the term of the NBA seemed like it was unicorn, right? So when that happened, uh, Porzingis came in the league. Carl Anthony Towns came in the league. The idea of a unicorn is a guy who basically can protect the rim and also stretch the floor. So the idea is, yeah, seven footer, sure. Height doesn't matter as much. But a guy who can protect the rim on defense and also hit a high percentage from three. That is essentially, to me, the definition of unicorn. And what is high to you? so league above league average and that has that has emphasis on position too so like a shooting guard the league average is much higher than like a center right um, so my mind like if you're shooting roughly 34 35 percent as a center in the NBA to me that's above league average or that's right at league average so if you're above let's say 34 35 percent to me that's high that's good um, if you're a shooting guard and you're shooting 35 percent that's actually maybe not that great that may be below nba average for a shooting guard so to put that in perspective um so we're going to use 35 percent and above as high in this scenario for centers um and interesting enough so jaron actually plays most of his games at the center position which is really interesting i'll get that stat later so per basketball reference i'll say it now apparently jaron plays center 55 percent of the time Versus power forward being the other position, which I think is interesting. Um, interesting. So essentially what that means is Jaron plays 55% of the time without Jonas is the way I look at it. Um, Okay, so here we go. These are, again, per 36. I went into why I like that more, per 36-minute stats here. This is on this season. Uh, So he is shooting 39.7% from three. Let's call it 40. Um, Way above league average for centers. Um, I'm, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure only like two centers have a higher shooting percentage from three this year. Is it Gorgie J? Um, he's close. <laughs> he's Probably close. Brooke Lopez. Um, is Brooke is actually not. He's at like really? below 30 this year. Yeah, and people consider him a great three point shooter, which is yeah. super interesting. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge is way up there. Of course. Because he is a notorious phenomenal shooter from the mid range. He but stretched no, it he, out this year. Yeah, I was about to say he doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't take a take bunch a lot, of them, but I, I guess he that just also, hits is important a lot. coming later as attempts. Um, So, again, shooting 39.7% from three on eight attempts. This is per 36 again, so eight attempts per 36. So, his shooting percentage ranks 33rd in the NBA regardless of position. This is all qualifying players, 33rd in the NBA in shooting percentage from three. His attempts per game ranks 30th. He is top 30 in the NBA in attempts per game as a 20-year-old center, which is nuts. So, again, no other center has that type of volume hitting that type of percentage. Um, we talked about the center stuff. This is the fun part. Yeah, he's able to stretch the floor. He also averages a little over two blocks per 36. That ranks 14th in the NBA, which is insane. Like, people don't realize how special Just that is. Just on its own, the blocks per game yes, per 36 he is 14. 14th yeah. in the NBA alone on blocks per game. People have mentioned locally and nationally how, like, man, his defense his like isn't Do you have list the list of other people that are in front of him? Like I don't, are, but sorry, it's typical stuff you, you would think. Like, Brooke Lopez is way up there. Gobert, Whiteside, Steven Adams, I think, is up there. People you would think. Um, Mitchell Robinson, I'm pretty sure, for New York. Um, like, typical, like, roll-to-the-rim dunker kind of guys. And most of those guys are fairly one-dimensional. Totally. Don't shoot the three that great, right? At, if at all. Um, so the fact that he's 14th in the NBA in blocks, this is per 36 again. Um, okay, so I mentioned earlier about the unicorn status. Um, so Porzingis and Karl-Anthony Towns are two guys that basically exemplify early on Like this is a unicorn. Um, so I'm just going to use this season. I didn't look at all of their stats and their best career years and all that kind of stuff. But here's Porzingis' stats on the year. So he is 35% from three, so let's call it league average at the center position, maybe a hair above, at 7.8 attempts per 36. Attempts are about the same. June is basically 5% higher on that clip, on hitting those shots, again, per 36. So Porzingis is also averaging 2.2 blocks per 36, so roughly the same. So Porzingis gets lauded nationally. Like when the Knicks made this trade, they were like, oh, my gosh, how could they give up such little for Porzingis? This guy's a generational talent. He's the leader of the Knicks, the leader of their future. Jaron statistically is having a better season than Porzingis is right now. Um, Porzingis is also 24 years old. Carl Anthony Towns. So Cat gets him on the three-point. So he's averaging 41% on 8.4 attempts from three per 36. So that's that's really good. It's hard to argue that. Um, where it comes into play is the unicorn status is protecting the rim. So Cat only averages 1.3 blocks per 36, um, so much less than Jaren. Uh, he's also 24, so four years older. Um, a few other guys I kind of threw out, Miles Turner, um, notoriously really good defender, right, averaging 2.4 blocks per 36. That's .2 more than Jaron which is not a significant amount. But, of course, Miles Turner, Lauday, this great rim protector, great defender. Uh, He's 23, three years older. He shoots 34% from three on five attempts. Laurie Markkinen, again, knockdown shooter, right? Don't leave Laurie open. This guy plays for Chicago. A lot of national guys are like, man, he is going to be a key cog in Chicago for a long, long time. 34% on 7.6 attempts, .0 .0 blocks, .6. Sorry, 0. 0.6. Yeah, 0. Yeah, 0.0 would be crazy. That would be <laughs> nuts. 0. 0.6 blocks per 36. He's also 22. My point is, an argument could be made that Jaron is the best unicorn in the league right now at 20 years old. At me if you don't agree. I don't have Twitter, but at
1: somebody. Yeah, we... <laughs> We're, we're trying to get you on the Twitter because it's real annoying to try to do the Twitters um, without you. So we talked about this kind of unicorn status, I think, with Jaren, uh, specifically in reference to the Denver game. I'm not going to go back through that specifically, but we sort of looked at it from the pers- perspective of how many players throughout the history of the NBA since the modern three-point era have made at least two three-pointers and had seven blocks. And there's only like 13 of them, five – only have ever done that in their second season, and only Jaron and Kristaps did that in their rookie season. And when you actually compare Jaron's, uh, when you compare Jaron's second year to Kristaps' second year and their rookie season, to rookie season, Jaron sort of outpaces Kristaps in both um, of those kind of primary categories that you're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is a little bit of the Memphis effect. Um, you know, to be to be honest, where you know he's underrated from a national sense because he's just not playing for a major market team. If he was with the Knicks or some other you know major market like Chicago, I think Jaron would be getting a lot more hype. So For sure, I, in Memphis we don't underrate you, buddy. We love you. We know that you're incredible. We love and, you so uh, much. Yeah, we we uh, value your talents here in Memphis. Yeah,
0: I think that. I mean, I love I love the take, and you obviously backed it up, Ty, with a lot of stats that are real stats. Um, so there's no denying that stuff. I think the the difference. Here, when we're looking at it in terms of league, the league as a whole is those guys that you listed for the most part are asked to do way more, and so I think you'll you'll tend to find like Carl uh, Anthony Towns or or Porzingis their percentages will be low for that reason, and I think that's a valid uh, variable in this. Also, I don't know if we consider Giannis to be a unicorn. Um, but he's not as hard though. to be He can't really
2: stretch the floor But yeah. Giannis, is a he's a different breed yeah like yeah he yeah. does everything He's almost
0: not even qualifying for this specific yeah. category that we're talking about and I, I'm glad that you de- defined sort of the um, parameters behind this this uh this term but yeah it's it's just unbelievable I think there is, what you can't argue is that for his age um he is definitely at the top of the list yep. I mean if you're looking at potential, I think he's got to be right there. Way up but, there. Um, yeah, as Brantley said, um, we appreciate – Jaron. if you're listening, we appreciate you, man. Everything you do. You will never be underrated to us. Um, and, uh, yeah, love that. Number Number four, I guess now, what are your expectations for Dylan Brooks moving forward? We had um, – he's had a record. Breaking season. However, right before the All Star Game, ever since he uh, signed that little extension there, he's taking a little dip. Uh, the yeah, percentage... i don't have the percentages in front of me. I didn't look them up, maybe intentionally, but they—they haven't been very good.
1: Um, so, I'm read them off to you. His past three games from behind the arc: yeah. over three, over eight, three for eight, three for six. That. Is that turning a corner? Don't three
0: for six, I
1: mean, well, He bad. was three for
0: three to start. Okay. <laughs> All right. What are our expectations for Dylan in all seriousness? He's still our, um, still our starting two guard. We're going to need him. So what, what do we expect? So I'll go quick. Um, I honestly expect him
2: to keep doing exactly what he's doing. I expect him to go stretches where he is just on fire and can't miss, and we're like, oh, my gosh, who's this guy? And I also expect stretches like these last three games. Um, I think a key thing to look for, like what to watch for, Moving forward with Dylan, I'm going to keep this quick. I want his shot distribution to be a little bit different. What I mean by that is I honestly want like 60% of his shots to come from three. And of those 60%, like 80% of that to come from catch and shoot threes. I don't have all the stats lined up because they're kind of hard to find, to be honest. Um, but his catch and, th- catch and shoot three point percentage is actually pretty high. Um, so I have his field goal percentage by distance. He actually shoots the same from three as he does from 16 feet and out. So basically 16 feet to the three-point line, he's shooting 38% from, from that. And from three-point, he's shooting 38%. So if he limits those long twos and pushes those back to three, I think that could be big. Um, so looking at his field goals... By distance, so basically this is the percent of his shots coming per distance. So from three point, he shoots essentially 38% of his shots from three. If we can get that 38% to at least 50%, if 50% of his shots come from three, I think that would be a huge boost. And that's pretty much all I have on that.
1: Yeah, I think the volatility is a great point on Dylan. Um, I think that's why we... Are comfortable with the salary contract that we extended him on because you know for that rate you can beat you can stomach a little volatility every now and then and then you will take the highs and lows with him um because conceivably you could have a number two guard starting over him um with more salary in the future and so I don't know. I sort of, I'm, I'm, but I'm expecting maybe a little bit more volatility. I think it's going to be hard for him to get in a rhythm. I think he's streaky and it would, I know that he's a gamer. I'm just, I don't have a really good feeling right now for some reason about him coming um, into these next five games. Maybe he gets a go in against Sacramento, but those LA teams are going to be tough for him uh, matching up against the Clippers. I mean, one of his best games of the year, though, was actually against the Clippers. So, uh, but I don't expect him guarding Kawhi to be plus twenty six again or plus nineteen again like he was in that game. I think
0: our whole team had the best game of their yeah. Years. that was sort <laughs> that of nuts,
1: and the Clippers are going to have it out for us. So, I, D- Dylan I think is volatile and streaky for a reason. He you know you can kind of see him getting his head a little bit. He's super competitive. Uh, you know, I mean, it seems like a silly thing to say for an NBA player, but like you can just see him wear his emotions on his sleeve big time. Like he rides or dies with, um, um, on his face, right? The way he plays. So I don't know. I don't really, I'm sort of expecting him to regress a little bit back to the norm, which is going to make us feel really great that we didn't, uh, give him that huge contract that people were saying that we should have.
0: One of the comps that, uh, We've made on this podcast for Dylan Brooks is Marcus Smart. Um, I think a, maybe a more realistic because Marcus Smart is a really important part of the Celtics team and like part of their identity as a city. I don't I don't think Dylan will ever be like the identity of Memphis necessarily when you think about our team. But I do think I I kind of compare him to a guy like Will Barton, to where you can um, he can be a guy who you can slot in the starting lineup at any time. He's a really good fantasy player as well uh for those of you
1: that play fantasy basketball like will
0: <laughs> big fantasy basketball guy if you don't <laughs> know um but at the end of the day like he is not gonna be um like in your list of the top five guys on a title team i don't think no. And we've said that over and over. We said like Dylan Brooks is your perfect sixth or seventh guy to come off the bench, provide some scoring. Um, and I think that we're paying him at about the market rate for those types of guys. I yeah. think Will Barton is actually making a little bit more. That's a he, great comp. I mean, he got he caught the market at a good time, but I think his realistic contract is about what Dylan. He's is. making thirteen yeah. this year. I just looked it up. Yep, and fourteen there you next go. year. Yeah. Perfect. So Dylan is just a little bit under that, which makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I think I kind of think of him like that so we're gonna see nights where he is just on fire and i I really am gonna value Dylan Brooks when we're going against a guy um, who he can guard and we can just like be yeah. excited even if he gets in foul trouble that's okay. I think we'll be okay um but yeah Dylan, we need you man. Come on. all right this is a fun one what what role should Justice Winslow play on this year's team? let's say assuming, he is going to at least play. Uh, they they reported after All Star break, we should see him at some point. That's obviously very open ended, but let's say if we see him uh, next week, um, I'd be surprised. Let's say let's say he's back to normal in three weeks. I wouldn't say we before have, March. We have let's say we have eighteen games left of the season, and he's back to his normal minutes. Uh, what do we expect? or what what should he, what role should he play on this team?
1: So uh I think we need justice to stay in the hunt. Um I think that I like that. I think that we uh he can get some rest, but we need him to be a bench player. It seems like Grayson Allen is not coming back anytime soon. We haven't heard anything realistic on there. Coach K breaking the news, you know, to all of Griss fandom that Grayson's done for the year. We haven't heard that officially. So, I think we need to plug Justice into a quick fit type role and that to me feels like sort of getting around a little less than what Jay Crowder was getting per game with us, right? You know, kind of in the Tyus um, type minutes per game type scenario, kind of around the 17-18 per game. And does it not just sound awesome hearing maybe Tyus, Jang, Justice, D.A., and Brandon Clark being your back five coming off the bench? Keep Kyle Anderson kind of plugged in there. If Dylan can shoot the three, keep him starting maybe for now for a short-term period of time. Let Justice get his legs underneath him, play with Tyus, who they may have some like that Duke chemistry kicking in. Tyus and B.C. have that stuff rolling. Um, if justice could kind of roll in there, I think in a quick fit type perspective, no pressure coming off the bench, maybe guarding, um, you know, the, the, the six man of the other team, if you will, and doing, having his way, uh, in the paint, um, just really quickly, I was sort of was just trying to see like, essentially could justice do more for us than, um, my, my friend Jay Crowder, uh, and, or Kyle, and I don't really think it's going to be hard if you just look at the numbers from this past year, particularly on a per thirty six basis. Um, you know, Jay Crowder for us was really struggling um, offensively. He would have some big moments, but if we really look back at what he did for us on a per thirty six basis, he was shooting thirty one percent from three, taking around seven attempts per game, and only taking three, a little over three attempts per game um, from two. Um, Justice is completely flipped. So he hasn't played that many games um, this year. We talked about that last week. He started five games, played in 11, only played 352 minutes. However, he's on a thir- per 36 basis, he's only taking um, right at three uh, threes a game uh, or, you know, on th- per 36 and taking around 10 um, points from a two-point perspective. I think that that means that he potentially could fit really great coming in off the bench, Tyus shoots it well, BC can spread the floor, so can Gorgie. That means that Justice maybe can get some uh, matchup problems and drive in and have his way in the paint with maybe some smaller type um, guards and maybe be um, uh, loose enough to where he takes some of those um, uh, kind of lower tier guards from the Grizzlies right now and and closes a game if he's hot and gets some of that confidence back underneath him.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. I think the beauty of Justice is he can do so much. Um, so it's notorious to when he had his really good run with uh, Miami not too long ago, maybe last year or the year before, he played point guard. Um, he was basically running point forward or point whatever position you want to call it. Um, he had his best stretch of his career playing point guard. He also started a game at center in the playoffs for Miami. Um, the dude can do just about everything he's almost like D'Anthony Melton, but just bigger, which is great. Um, I think you could play him with the second unit really easily. I think he can gel really easily with those guys. He's very much a team player. Um, he's not a kind of guy that, like, demands the ball to be good, um, which means you could put him in a lot of different lineups, and he can succeed. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think you can plug and play him as needed. I think coming off the bench initially um, – I think that could work well. I definitely think he can close games. I think he could do a little bit of everything. But, yeah, I wouldn't – I mean, what, 18 to 22 minutes a night feels right. Maybe yeah. he plays 25, 26, 27 if, like you said, he's just, like, really important. We're playing a team that has a six seven small forward like the Clippers and Quai's having a good night. You just put him on Quai the whole yeah, time. Yeah, he closes instead of Kyle. For sure. yeah, yeah. Um, But the beauty is I think they could almost play together, too. I just think you could do so much with Justice. And I actually can't wait to see uh, what Jenkins does with him. Um, But just think of a defensive lineup with, like, him, BC, Jaron, D'Anthony. Like,
0: everything is locked up, essentially. So the only thing that I'm nervous about, and I agree with everything you you guys just said, the only thing I'm nervous about is um, think about um, who he's replacing, Uh, You have Jay Crowder, who we traded, and you have Grayson Allen, who's um, sidelined right now. Uh, What do you think of, what's the first attribute of those dudes that you think when they bring to the floor? Shooting. Yeah. And that's the only thing I'm worried about, is that um, we need a guy. Kyle's not going to space the floor. Um, Dylan uh, is our shooter right now, whether you like it or not. And, uh, Justice, jaw is a guy who's going to find people where they're open. And if, if, if the attention is drawn to Ja, um, and he kicks it out to Justice, I want to feel comfortable about, about him taking that shot. So, especially if he's, I mean, he is a slasher. He's all over the floor. He's like DeAnthony Melton. Um, but at the end of the day, with a guy like, a point guard like jaw, who we hope that Justice will be starting alongside, um, Maybe even later this season, definitely next season. Um, that's a role you want him to be able to fill. So that'll that's what I'll be watching for for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I'm concerned on that too, which is why I sort of think that you get him going off the bench first where it's you're not as worried about him hitting those threes. He maybe not is not even getting many minutes with Jaw at all. Um, I would prefer to see him get some minutes with Ja, um, but maybe not against the other team starters.
2: So, yeah, one thing about the shooting, I get that 100%. Definitely a concern. Uh, We mentioned this on the last pod, maybe the one before that, is when Ja kicks you the ball, there's no one within six feet of you. If you're standing in a corner and he passes you the ball after a driving kick, you are so open it hurts. Kyle Anderson can't make that three. Justice Winslow possibly can. So looking at shooting stats from last year, And the year before that, so 2017-2018, shot 38% from three, given only two attempts per game, Um, still 38%. If it's two attempts and they're both from the corner, hey, all for that. Um, The following year, 2018-19, this is last year, 37.5% at basically four attempts per game. Um, Again, 35% and up. I can, I can live with that, especially if they're wide open shots on the wing in the corner. It was Kyle, last year
1: when he had the shoulder injury? No, I think that was, that was two the years year ago? he
2: missed the most. That was uh, his 2000, that was what 16. Was it? 16, 17 yep. He only played 18 games. Um, so he had some groin stuff, like some hamstring stuff. That wasn't shoulder last year. Yeah, it wasn't shoulder. Um, So I can live with a 36% and up three-point shooter. It's just that Kyle Anderson, I don't have the stats pulled up in front of me, but I think at one point he was shooting like 22% on threes. That is definitely not going to cut it. It's 19.5% per game. 19.5%. Like, that's why you feel so bad with him taking those shots. Justice, again, if he just continues to what he's done the past two seasons from three, that's passable. Yeah, I'm not going to be like, oh, there's. I can close my eyes. I know that's going in. But I can like feel hopeful that that shot is
0: going to go in.
2: Yeah. So that's the only difference. But I get I get your point. He's definitely not a knockdown
0: shooter. 100% agree with that. Yeah, so. which, I mean, Jaron being as good as he is makes you feel a little bit second better. Second point so. I was
2: going to make. If Jaron goes back to his 42% from three on like eight attempts a game, basically just coming off ball screens and doing all this, just launching it, we have our second shooter in, the, in that lineup with him. De'Anthony or Dylan. Let's just say it's Dylan. Let's say Jaw, Dylan, Justice, BC, and Jaron. You got two shooters, potentially three, because BC's also shooting like forty-two percent, which is crazy high from three. It's a very low volume. He's not shooting at a ton, but he's shooting those open corner to wing threes when he's just wide open. And when you play with Jaw, that's what you're gonna get. If you can hit a wide open three, it doesn't have to be some off the dribble contested like pull up three. If you can shoot a three where you can plant your feet and close your eyes and take a breath, that's all we need. And I think he can. I think he can do that. I love it.
0: Um, all right, sixth and final <laughs> question. Seven, <laughs> eight, final thing <laughs> that just has a ring to it. We at least <laughs> we had people in the front end. We had six questions. That's true. Last one. Can our bench continue to rate in the top third of the NBA? tie? You're just the stats guy today. I'm going go to go super fast. Us.
2: I'm going to go super fast. So in December, our bench was top ten in the league in plus minus. Um, the reason I started in December is because that's when D'Anthony entered into the lineup, um, and he is a key, obviously, in our in our second. He does unit. a lot of things. Some people have have referred to him as Mister Do Something. A um, little bit, a little bit wordy there, but I'll take it. Um, there. so let's go to january now january we were seventh our bench was seventh and plus minus so plus minus again we talked about it last pod basically plus minus is your gaining point you are winning the lineup when you're on the floor so our bench is outscoring other opponents and they are seventh in that in that stat so in january again the bench was seventh and plus minus they're also seventh in net rating ninth in both offensive rating and defensive rating. So basically, we are good all over the board. Offense, defense, our bench is good. So then I wanted to look at the last 15 games. Our bench is, again, ninth. So still top 10 in net rating. We are 22nd in offensive rating, which means not very good. Guess where we are in defensive rating? Exactly. We're second, which is super good. (laughs)
0: That's pretty crazy.
2: So I think that has to do a lot with just who we have on the floor. I think D'Anthony is a true lockdown perimeter defender. Josh Jackson last game against Portland showed flashes of being able to make plays in transition. He had his hands on a lot of balls. He was getting rebounds, loose balls. BC, I would love to go in-depth on him. We don't have the time. Maybe underrated as well. BC is incredible per 36. He's averaging 20 and 10. So take that for what you want. He's also fourth in the league in true shooting percentage, which basically means he makes everything he shoots. He's averaging Um, 20 and 10 per per 36. 20 and 9 and a half. That's absurd. Yeah, it's absurd. Um, Also, we have a great unit that can, okay, so again, Tyus, 23 years old, maybe the most solid backup point guard in the league. I don't have stats to back that up, but I'll get those to you at some point. D'Anthony,
1: twenty-one-year-old, locked Chris down Goddles. defender. <laughs> let me jump it. Let me say, it. <laughs> what do all these teams I have in? L- what do all these teams have in common? Sacramento, the Lakers, Houston, the Hawks, the Nets, the Mavs, the Blazers. We'll end they there. I am bad benches. Don't have backup point guards. They all have worse benches than the Grizzlies. It's important. That's the eye test. I, I, I like I, coming away from the Portland game. I remember leaving it thinking, like, no wonder this team—they've had they some have injuries. No one. Though. They've had injuries to Rodney Hood, and they don't have Kim base more I don't know what that would do for them.
2: They trade him for Ariza. Yeah.
1: So, um, oh, did they really? I yep. thought some. Okay, thanks. I don't, don't not up on the NBA as much as I should be. Uh, good thing I do a podcast every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I remember thinking, like, there's no reason this. There's no wonder why this team, the the Blazers, is so low. Their bench is terrible. I felt like any time our bench was going up against their bench and they didn't have one of their superstars in, we were going to crush them. Yep. Um, I sort of feel like the only way that we stay above water in this tough stretch is if our bench carries us. Um, I'm not saying whether we'll stay top 10 or not because I don't know how measurable that is. I do think that just like Ja. If our bench continues to play at an incredible rate and obviously and beating other teams' benches, we're gonna have a really good chance to lock in that eighth seed. Whoo, let's go, <laughs> let's go, baby.
0: Okay, let's. Uh, we'll get you out on a Grizz history moment in a hammer nail coffin. Um, so for today's Grizz history moment, I'm actually gonna um, I'm gonna read off what uh, I tweeted out today. I thought it was a hilariously Grizzlies trade, if there ever was one. Um, on this day, in 2016, the Grizzlies traded Jeff Green to the Los Angeles Clippers for Lance Stevenson.
2: <laughs> Make him <them> dance, Lance!
0: <laughs> and a protected 2019 first-round pick. Not a bad trade there, Right. Which was later traded to the Boston Celtics for the draft rights to Deontay Davis and Rade Zagoraj.
2: Man, nailed that
0: one. And uh, the Boston Celtics later traded this 2019 first-round pick to the Philadelphia 76ers, who then drafted... Matisse Steibel. Matisse Steibel, He's all right. At number 20. He's all right. So, uh, <laughs> the Grizzlies make... I cheated on Twitter. I read, I nice. read your response. <laughs> I didn't
1: know that. I was like... Follow Gristory. Was
0: yeah. um Yeah, follow at Gristory. <laughs> but I just thought that it's just, there's so many emotions in one trade every time. Like It's just like, yes, we finally traded Jeff Green, and uh, we got back a first-round pick, and Lance, Lance Stevenson, who's really fun. Oh, wait, we trade our first-round pick to Boston for Deontay Davis and Roddy. So, anyway... Uh, shout out chris wallace How can you be so, bad? <laughs> so good and so bad all in one that's the that's the that's chris wallace I'm in a nutshell and bad. okay um hammer nail coffin guys we'll get you out on this we've we've talked this whole podcast about things that we want to see in the future um is there anything else you guys want to add um as we as we finish this one
1: up I want to see all you people uh, at Crosstown Brewery there it is. on Saturday. I want to see you repping Grizzden Pod Teas. Uh We may or may not have a Joggles t-shirt that we're special releasing Ooh. a day of. Um, I may have, may not have gotten some um, text during this podcast on I saw uh, checking this the man. designs, the are, versions of the designs. I saw them; they're that. looking good. It's looking good. If anything else, you can get a shirt with JV on it, you know, saying that this basketball is fun to play. You can get a Grizzden Pod shirt. You can buy your little one a Grizz, uh Cub onesie or youth tee. Uh, we have both <laughs> male tea. and female versions. It's gonna be lit. It's gonna and their be a beers lot good.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a great time. Uh, we're super excited to have a place to uh, to share and uh, hang out with you guys, but also um, we'll be able to um, show you guys some of the stuff we've been working on behind the scenes for a long time now, uh, which will be great. Also, uh, follow us on social media. We will be posting some giveaway um, items, and uh, you'll just have to do – you know just a few things to be entered into this giveaway and uh we hope you come out and win some free stuff Ty I have
2: one last thing one last thing. what is your projected ending record for us? I want both of y'all to give a what do you think the final record is? are we at forty and two and four or forty one forty one are we at five hundred what do you think we get to I'm going second to, that what do you think makes the playoffs?
0: I'm going to say we end. At thirty nine and forty three, and I think forty one wins makes the playoffs. Who's that going to be? I think that given this Lillard groin injury, I kind of have a feeling it's going to be the Pelicans.
1: Okay, what did you say?
0: I said thirty nine and forty three, and the Pelicans are going to make it at forty one. <laughs> that's if you're like just like holding a gun to my head and I yeah, had to
2: make yeah. a prediction no, I'm just for quit, sure, just on the fly. Yeah, just that's, that's my gut reaction. Yeah.
1: I literally did, I had not totaled my analysis until just now, and it was 39 and 43. No way. Uh, so I'm going to say we're going to be 40 and 42. <laughs> <laughs> Get those brownie points. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to do the, uh, you yeah, know, the, the Price is Right move on you. Um, yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I just, when you look at the, the stretch that we have, even, I mean, we close the season with the, we go Mavs, at Blazers, yes. at Nuggets, home against Thunder, home against Sixers, at Rockets. The key for those four games legitimately is will ha- will the Nuggets, Thunder, and Rockets, and Sixers maybe all have locked in their seating? If so, we might could steal some victories. That's That really is going to be sort of, I almost like play with some of the wins there wondering like maybe the seating is all locked up by that point in time and the Sixers are just resting Embiid because he likes to rest.
0: So I'll still like, I still believe in that analysis that I shared on the last podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go listen. It's at the end of our uh, last episode. Um yet within each of those tiers that I mentioned, there are, you know, different sub-tiers, you know, some some teams are better than others even within the tier, and we we are tending to play a lot of the ones who are at the upper end of those tiers. And so there there are some subtleties there and that's why I would rather go in with sort of a, a, a little bit lower expectation um, and hopefully have that exceeded. But, guys. What do you think? I think we win 38.
1: So I'm the highest. I, yeah. I went the highest.
0: 38,
2: level. 39, 40. I think we win 38, and I think we miss out, and I think New Orleans gets the spot. And honestly, that is going to be a very fun matchup when they play the Lakers in the first round. I, I'm saying like that is definitely going to happen. If we, win four, if we go 500, we make it. I think if we can somehow get to 41 wins, I think we make the eight seed.
1: And if we can weather these first five games, six games, I think that that's going to be huge. Me if too. we can like beat Sacramento... Go two and three in this stretch. I think it's a you know lose maybe losing to the LA teams, losing to Houston, that would be pretty clutch. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, last season I remember we had a really really hot start at the beginning, twelve and five, and I remember Look, it great. I remember very clearly. That Sacramento was one of those five losses early in the season and I'm like this team cannot drop games against teams like Sacramento if they want to do anything and I actually think that's the case right now we cannot drop the games that we're supposed to win because there are so few remaining that we're supposed to win so guys we're going to be along for the ride this whole time uh, road to a playoff spot. Let's go. Let's
1: go. Who- Game Thursday. Tune in. Sacramento. That's Let's right. be up late. Who
0: cares about expectations? Let's go. John Morant doesn't care about our expectations. No, 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 no. Okay. No. He doesn't care at all, guys. Thanks for joining us. This has been another edition of the Grizzden Pod. Come out and join us at Crosstown Brewery, noon or Saturday. Hoodie. It's gonna be buy a shirt, buy a hoodie, enter the giveaway, follow us on social. It's gonna be lit. Grizz Cup. Let's go. Thanks, guys, for joining us.